On today's podcast, we take a trip to Agent 2021 in Miami, where Gary Vee speaks with other entrepreneurs on the four Ds. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Cause we're gonna be Are you trying to make more money? Are you trying to build a huge company? Are you looking for legacy? You may make a little less profit in the next six months, but if you have better people, you'll probably make more profit in 2020 and have more time for yourself. Like when you put yourself out there, you deal with the ramifications of the end consumer or the B2B consumer judgment. Everybody gets hyped when I hype them like this, then they do it for four days, a week, a month, nothing happens, they're like, fuck that. How do I start putting out content if I am an army of one? It depends on what your ambition is, right? So like, you know, that's the most important question. Like for me, the number one ambition for me coming out of school was to repay my parents. So that's what I did. Built a business for my parents for 12 years. And then I went on to my, like, so like there's just, the most important question is what are you trying to do? Like, are you trying to make more money? Are you trying to build a huge company? Are you looking for legacy? Do you want to move to Seattle? I'm sure those will change over time. I, uh, I agree. There are, there are things that I would, I mean, there are things that I would like to do for my parents. They don't need me to take care of them yep. by any means. They've yep. Done all right for themselves. Yep. And God bless them. But sure, there's something that I would, I would like to get my dad a Porsche just because I feel like he would have fun <laughs> in that car because he drives an SUV for work every day. And so does that cool. come in the form of like you just want your business to grow? Yeah, I just want the business to grow, and so being just an army of one and not having maybe what Facebook what we all and have Instagram here, video content about you being a real estate agent. People struggle. All of you struggle producing content because you think you have to have something to say. And my point is, if you just tell me what happened, that's more than enough on the delta of not doing anything at all. What I need to get people to understand is, most people say, well, my life is boring and I have nothing to say, and they just don't put out content. And I'm just like, if you first video of every day was about the Nationals or the Capitals or the Wizards, you will get business. Because I promise you, if you made fucking Jets content and I saw it, I'd buy my house from you. That's how I make decisions. It's better than not. Right. But, but it's, a, but, but, I love that you said, I love how quickly you responded. It's a very important moment. Just so you know, 99.999% of everybody who's ever heard anything from me decided not is better than the Wizards thing. So the answer is more volume, but the part that everyone's struggling with is nobody's, it's all insecurities. Nobody's listening. I only got two likes. It doesn't look good. Is, this, is anybody listening to this? Everybody quits. Everybody gets hyped when I hype them like this. Then they do it for four days, a week, a month. Nothing happens. They're like, fuck that. Did you look carefully at the 2009 and 2010 tweets, how much engagement they had? Versus now? Yeah. Did you or not? Uh, no. You know that some of those tweets only had two likes and a share? I did know, yes. People forget what my 2009 and 10 looked like. (laughs) Everybody starts with only one like. Here's the tactical part. You put a ton of content, eventually something kind of goes viral and you spend a fuckload of money against it because people prove that they gave a fuck. How can I make sure I'm getting the best hires? This is actually a stunningly easy uh, answer and outrageously difficult for small businesses to execute. Number one, pay $18 an hour. Let's Let's go block by block. 
if I, if, you know, if I bought your bus- into your business and now we were partners and we started tomorrow and you're like, all right, here we are, 9 a.m. Monday, right? You'd say, this is our biggest problem. I'd say, okay, who are our competitors and or similar businesses to us, even if they didn't do the same exact thing, doctors, offices versus dermatologists, dentists, whatever, right? And how do we figure out, and I'm being dead serious right now, how do we figure out, like I used to go to liquor stores as a customer and if I thought somebody had any level of hustle or charisma, I took no, I didn't try, I always, it's funny, I would go to see it. I never would poach somebody in it because that for some reason was my line of disrespectful. But then I would always come back to my store and ask my salespeople who were part of the industry to get me that person's number or do you know this person? You could call, read Yelp reviews, you could figure out who they are and literally just pay them more. When I hear I wanna grow, create abundance for my family, but not always be there, that means you have to hire people. Like, like if you don't wanna be there and you wanna be home or you wanna at least be able to mentally relax on a Friday afternoon, well then you need to pay 18, not 14. People create these arbitrary numbers. Well, salespeople in, in the Sugarland area, they get this commit, like why? Do you know why people are charging 30% for like back-end kind of infrastructure on technology? Because Apple decided 30% was the rake they were gonna take for the App Store and that became the standard. And had they decided 27, bless you Reed, or 33 or something else, that's what everybody would do. My senior executive team was like, but this is what's going on in the industry. I'm like, that has nothing to do with Vayner. There's places where we have to overpay and there's places we should not pay anything because we're Vayner. you have to play in the reality. So the first thing that comes to mind is you'll get better people if you pay 18 and if you run the math and you can afford that, there's something funny that happens. You may make a little less profit in the next six months, but if you have better people, you'll probably make more profit in 2020 and have more time for yourself. Number two, then you get into retention and retention's really completely predicated on communication. You have to be willing to. My dad would never talk to his employees because he didn't want them to ask him for a raise. It's real. Like, and so that worked for nobody. He might have extracted a little less cost for six or nine months, but then he had to deal with the ramifications of people leaving, right? I think it's communication. How should we think about promoting content on social media? If you're trying to reach B2B people, you run ads on LinkedIn for employees of those B2B organizations so they pass on that content and that content is strictly for B2B. On B2C, when you run Instagram story ads with swipe up to your landing page, you run them. What's crazy is, it's funny, this is back to and versus or. Because you come from a TV back, this is like back to like me literally on a plane being like, wait a minute, I'll hire somebody, then I'll feel bad if I let him down. Like, strategy's crazy. You're literally one thought away from changing everything and you can't even see what's in front of you. It's, you're asking an or question when the answer's an and, it's a both. TV was tough, you had to pick one commercial, this is why you guys overthought the shit out of it, that's why you tested the fuck out of it, because once you had it, whatever the fuck you were doing, it was running on Remnant late night and you were at the mercy of how good it was. That's why Proactive got so big because they had call centers and they really ran data and they were doing a bunch of different commercials and they're like that. But you didn't do that, right? You like did your shoot, you fucking did your best and you fuck it right? You changed your call to action, that was it. And the offer. That's right. The content was the same. But, that's, but on social, you just run 58 pieces of content because you 
it doesn't cost you a lot to make the content and you just see what actually converts. Facebook is not your foundational page. Got it. It's the content. It's the content. Gotcha. You know, like I don't care if you have a single, fo- like if somebody said, Gary, but I'm embarrassed. I have, hey Matt Higgins. I, I don't have a single follower on Instagram. I'm like, cool, just run ads. Your Facebook page is not your foundational page. You know, it was foundational for people maybe six, seven years ago when the organic reach was so bonkers, but that went away. So even if you have two million followers on Facebook, it's not your, I'm getting a 20th of the organic reach I got two years ago from Facebook, even though I have 15% more followers on it because they killed organic reach to put more ads into the funnel. Got it? So face, so basically every, they used to call them dark posts, right? Basically you're just running ads on Facebook and Instagram, but you're driving them to your mobile optimized landing page, right? Don't forget, you're in a mobile world now. A lot of people, if they've been around for a little bit, they've maximized the desktop, but when you land on a mobile device, which is where Facebook and Instagram is gonna be consumed, got it? What are some cons of being authentic as an influencer? Uh, The vulnerabilities you create on the judgment of the people you're trying to sell to, right? Uh, Pfizer, awarded VaynerMedia a $3 million uh, piece of business four years ago, but then a board member saw me cursing in a YouTube video and killed the deal. You said that you were a Patriots fan and I no longer wanted to be your friend. Like when you put yourself out there, you deal with the ramifications of the end consumer or the B2B consumer judgment. Some struggle with the judgment of just the human aspect, but on the business side, you will win and will lose business because there are plenty of people, like I like your energy, but. I know your energy. There's a lot of people that wouldn't like it. You know your life. But I love what I do. I don't, I, the end. I, I and, and, and I think what will work for you based on my quick read is you probably realize it's a net-net game. Right? If you have 17 people that love it and 13 people that hate it, you're a plus four versus a zero. I'm struggling with content creation due to regulations in my field. I can't be spontaneous. What do I do? Look, you're talking to somebody who first 20 years of his career, I couldn't sell wine on the internet to the state of Texas. You sleep in the bed that you choose. The end. Like, you're in that industry. The good news is, nobody else can do it too. Right? So you have to lay in that bed. Like, we work with Chase, we work with Diageo, I have a cannabis agency, like, they don't take Facebook and Instagram ads. That's what I do. Right, so you just live in the reality. What I would say though is knowing a lot of these rules and regulations because of the clients I have, there's a lot of lawyers that are lazy as fuck and would rather just say to you something basic without actually pushing it. Could you put those things in your profile and then not have to put it on every piece of content? It depends on the interpretation of the lawyer. Got it? So like where I get upset for people in regulated industries is they have lazy legal advice that is so conservative because they just don't even want to deal with shit, right? Because that's how you maximize your money if you're a lawyer. And so it's your job to push. How do you choose what clients to work with? You know, you have to take the temperature of your company. I remember when Smith & Wesson, the gun company, came to us, I decided to pass on it because I just didn't feel the culture at Vayner would accept us taking a gun climate client during nine months after the school shooting in Connecticut. You know, even the money was huge. Um, You know, Steve Ross, the owner of this stadium and the Dolphins, when I decided I wanted to take cannabis company clients, I knew that the NFL and cannabis just was gonna take some time and so I had to make an investment in another company. Uh, um, 
yeah, I mean, uh, uh, then there's other times where the liberal nation of, nature of my company goes the other way. I remember when we wanted to work with a gas company, we assigned somebody who I love very much, I'd actually like them to come back into our world, doesn't work at Vayner right now, he came to me and said, I'm not gonna work on this brand and I don't think a lot of people are gonna work on it. And I punched him in his fucking face, verbally. Yeah. You know, because I was like, <laughs> Well then why, then let's not work with Pepsi because sugar's bad too and as a matter of fact, let's not work with Calvin Klein because textiles are the second worst contributor to the environment. I'm like, fuck you with your liberal bullshit. Like, like I'm, I'm outrageously socially liberal. I was passed on Smith & Wesson. I passed on other things. But then there becomes a line where you're just getting into foo-foo fucking New York, LA, Europe shit. And that's when I get pissed. And so like, and by the way, that's what my job as the CEO is. So. Every company, this is the best part about a CEO, everything right and everything wrong is unbelievably tied to her or him, right? And so I make those judgment calls all the time. An extra piece of advice from Gary on creating new content. If you put out a daily show about the trials and tribulations at your, your dealership and you put it on Facebook and YouTube, your business would explode. Now, nobody's gonna give a fuck for a year. So for a year, you're gonna put some real money in but it's a hell of a lot better than the bullshit advertising you're doing now in the paper and billboards and radio, if you're doing that, and amortize it over time. But it will work. Because you've got one, you know, you know right now that you have one employee that's a real character, and that becomes your fucking, you know, Fonz. I really want somebody to do that because it's really gonna work. Let's do it. And what you can do, let me tell you how I would direct it or produce it. So now you got Caleb, he's just filming all day funny things are happening, fuck you, Charlie, like you guys speak, whatever you make. But what Caleb does better than D-Rock or better than anybody who's ever filmed me is he will ask me questions while we're filming. He just did it on the back of the cab now about how I post on Instagram. And I think you should do that. I think you should film the show and then stop and go to the parts and service team and start a segment in each episode called How Not to Come Here. Let me explain. If you have a segment that's two minutes long in every episode, so think about it, it's almost like it's a show but then it stops and there's like now an information piece in the middle of it where the people that do parts and service for you tell the viewers at home how not to come to the auto body shop because the amount of people that come to parts and services when they could have done something very simple at home but they're like me and have no, when I tell you I have no fucking idea, I'd rather throw my car in the garbage than figure out how to fix it. Like, and I'm talking about two minutes. If you're like, change the spark plug, I'm like, I'm gonna leave it on the road and go buy another car. Like literally, there's a lot of people like that. If you had a segment, the amount of trust that your organization would get, it's what I did with Wine Library TV. I literally told people to not buy wine we sold. And I did it like emphatically. I'm like, this shit sucks, right? If you did that, it would change your business. And then you'd be able to chop out that little piece and do it as a separate one minute video on Instagram, you see where I'm going? And that's what Linz will go into a little bit, but that's how I would produce it. And then you can strip the audio and have a podcast for no cost.